Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. The U.S. Market Update with Money FM 89.3. Good morning. Here's your look at how markets wrapped up overnight, and we are looking at some red on the screen. So stocks fell as investors keep an eye on what's going on with the federal debt ceiling debate in Washington. And of course, this on the final trading day of May, the Dow Jones Industrial Average traded lower by 0.4% or around 130 points down at 32,908. The S&P 500 dipped 0.6% to 4,180. And the Nasdaq Composite was lower by 0.6%, finishing at 12,935. So all eyes on what's playing out between the US President Joe Biden and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, as well as the voting process that's now going on and expected to continue in the coming day or days. And perhaps we can get a deal done by the weekend. Well, let's check in with Michelle Schneider. She is the Chief Strategist for Market Gauge Group. Hey, Michelle, thanks for joining us on the show. Thank you so much, Warren. Great to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you because uh, you're watching what's playing out in the markets very closely. So let's start there. Talk to us about how markets have moved overnight. We're looking at a bit of a slump across the board on the benchmarks. Well, not surprising, considering that we had this tremendous run up over the last week in anticipation that uh, a deal would be struck, number one, but also the Fed in the background uh, now talking about the potential of even skipping the June meeting or possibly pausing on interest rate hike. And you have a a tremendous amount of stress in some of the sectors while you've had AI and uh, tech stocks, uh, chip stocks going ballistic to the upside. So it's possible right now where the whole market is going to really kind of try to sort it out as it got to the top of a trading range, particularly in the the SPX uh, at at around that 4,200 level. Yeah, lots to worry about. So if you look at the technicals, what are they telling you when it comes to the conviction behind the market direction? Where is the momentum pointing towards? Well, what's so interesting is that there's a real disparity between what the market internals are saying, which are basically right now, although they've fallen from their risk on point that they were up until yesterday, they are still actually relatively positive as far as things like how the S&P is performing against utilities or how the long bonds are performing against the junk bonds. Mm. But it's precarious right here. So that's one thing. And then, of course, the biggest news is if you're looking at the consumer sector of the U.S. markets, again, versus the the SPY, and that disparity, the SPY is higher. But if you look at the SPY against the technology, it's 25 percent lower, which basically means from a ratio standpoint, which basically means we haven't seen this type of stretch between tech the, the, the S&P 500, and then with the consumers even worse since 2000, which of course brings up a lot of memories since we had mm. a huge crash uh, with the dot-com bubble. Yeah, are you bracing for a similar scenario here with what's playing out with AI? Everyone seems to be jumping on the bandwagon right now. Well, that's always a concern. Uh, when everybody jumps on the same bandwagon and you start hearing over and over again that it's 10 stocks carrying the entire market, uh, of course, a correction would be uh, something that one wants anticipate at this point. Um, however, the long-term 
for AI, I think is very positive. I believe AI is here. AI will continue to be a major factor in how everybody functions on a day-to-day basis. I know it's certainly been an, a, a great impact on our business mm. because we're using AI in ways for efficiency, for, for research, and for being able to code, putting in parameters of what we want to see in the market, and then being able to get those results so quickly. That's a whole new world. So, yeah, but and from a technical standpoint, could, let's say, something like NVIDIA that looked like it topped out yesterday take a 10% correction from here? Absolutely. And that wouldn't even really do very much for the stock, except maybe give people a better opportunity to get in with a little bit of a lower risk. Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe it is a good entry point with the correction. Uh, have you tried Jet GPT yet, Michelle? Oh, yes. I use it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> what do you use it for? <laughs> Well, I, I use it for research. Um, like, for example, I wanted to do a little bit of research about semiconductors, not necessarily the, the chips themselves, but what is involved in terms of making the chips. And I discovered that there are these polymers mm. that are put around the chips that are actually like a Teflon coating. And so I wanted to do research. What companies make that? Which ones are publicly traded? I did that all on ChatGBT. Um, and from a personal standpoint, I actually looked for an itinerary. Let's say if I wanted to go with my husband to Greece for two weeks, what would they recommend in ChatGBT? And it gave me an entire itinerary with hotels and everything. It was fantastic. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to infiltrate into everybody's life one way or another, and it certainly has in ours. Yeah, it's a good reflection of how it is doing that and also maybe some ideas for investors, how you can use ChatGPT to do some of the legwork for you when it comes to research. We are in conversation with Michelle Schneider. She's the Chief Strategist for Market Gauge Group. Now, Michelle, let's talk about what's playing out in markets as well when it comes to data. And we got some from China yesterday. Over the past few weeks and months, we've seen some patchy numbers and the latest round is around the manufacturing space contracting at a worse pace in April or then in April. So it is painting that perhaps the economic recovery is weakening. Is that a big concern for you? This data that comes out, by the way, is usually from the past. So really, we're going to be looking more forward. And no doubt that there's been some issues, particularly with all of the trade agreements or lack of trade Mm. agreements with the United States. But China is a very uh, long-term planning country, uh, unlike the United States. They look out 5, 10, 20 years from now. And some level of contraction, uh, particularly I know it started with real estate last year, is not surprising. Would I count China out as a superpower in the making as time goes on? Absolutely. And for me in particular, what I'm really interested in is what happens with the currency, what happens with the yuan, as there has been a tremendous amount of buzz about it potentially replacing the dollar in terms of trade, especially when we're looking at the oil markets. And if that happens more and more, that could really shift the power play uh, between the United Mm. States and China significantly. So, um, So I don't really pay that much attention to this from the short term. I'm really looking out from the long term. And I would think at some point, the way this is sold off, the China, especially if you're looking at some of the ETFs or some of the tech stocks like Baidu, I would probably start looking at them as a buy opportunity. Yeah, China also enters into the equation when you talk about commodities and demand, especially for oil. So when you look at oil prices these days, they are going through a bit of pressure these days. Um, what do you take away from the price action there? And of course, we're heading into the weekend where the OPEC Plus grouping is meeting. 
Right, and OPEC Plus, of course, has already stated that they were going to continue to cut back supply, and they were warning people to get not to get too bearish. And now today they made a statement that they weren't even going to allow some of the bigger media presences into that meeting. So that's kind of an interesting thing, mm. too. And, you know, so the, the question is going to be is how much can they actually do to manipulate? Because there are other factors, right? I mean, Russia has been a big exporter. Uh, the U.S. obviously has done a lot with their strategic reserves, and they're supposed to be buying oil back under $70 a barrel. So it's going to be interesting to see if they come in. But, yeah, that is the one area right now I call the X factor in terms of oil prices because it's really going to be a measure of whether or not we can look at more recession or whether we're going to hold here at around these levels, which is just under $70 a barrel, and start to work our way up. Um, Either way, it is a factor in terms of inflation, but not the factor Mm. right now, clearly, because it's come down so much. Okay, and we've heard a lot about this saying before, sell in May and go away. So maybe time to come back in (laughs) June. Michelle, where are you looking right now when it comes to opportunities? Well, actually, selling in May didn't work out too well, uh, except in certain areas, right? In terms of the overall market, it actually rose. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think, I, I actually think that right now, the whole backdrop and people have so much trouble getting their mind wrapped around this because it's not something we've seen in four or five decades. And that is the idea of stagflation, which leads to a trading range that is persistent. Now, how wide that trading range is right now, we have seen basically 3,800 to 4,200 in the S&P. So if we just use that, we have room to the downside without getting too negative. And we just saw the upside, if it goes through, maybe it gets stretched. But I don't think we're going to see much more than this trading range as we end 2023 and maybe even into 2024, uh, unless something major happens to affect it one way or another. Economic growth, not so much. More damage, potentially. But it feels like the damage has already been priced in, and that's why we're sitting at these levels. And if you're an eye on Vietnam, so what's the play here for Vietnam? There is a lot of opportunity, obviously, in the markets, particularly right now as we've dipped in these consumer uh, areas and in the small cap areas, and if we don't go much further. But outside of the U.S., I have been really fascinated with the ETF for Vietnam. I think Vietnam first of all, has taken over in terms of manufacturing in ways, maybe some of that being taken out of China. Uh, obviously, cheap labor is a factor in Vietnam. Um, it's a very industrious country. And, uh, and I believe right now, from a technical standpoint, the ETF, which is VNM, has based out now for months and months and months. And if we break out over these current levels, it has a real opportunity to go up maybe 20%, maybe even 50% from here or more. All right. That is very interesting to watch out for. We've been chatting with Michelle Schneider. She's the chief strategist for Market Gauge Group, chatting with us all the way from Santa Fe, New Mexico. Michelle, thanks for joining us and have a great day ahead. Thank you so much. You have a great day as well. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.